This is Body Count, a horror movie podcast, with your hosts, Trent Scott and Graham Asher. <laughs> And welcome to Body Count, your home for all things creepy, crawly, ghouly, gory, or anything else that goes bump in the night. I am Trent Scott, and he is Graham Ashley. Hey, what's up, Trent? And hello to all of our loyal listeners out there. Trent, we are into February now, and you know what that means? Valentine's Day is just around the corner, right? So, well, for those of you who have to worry about it, <laughs> some of us don't really. Some of us, February fourteenth is more like Daytona five hundred day. <laughs> That's all I care about. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, luckily my wife's pretty chill, and I don't have to go all out on Valentine's Day. But nonetheless, it's a trap. Don't fall for that. <laughs> yes, you do. She's luring you in. This might be good advice, Trent. Now I'm now I'm sweating here thinking about or what I need to next do. year. You'll be more worried about the Daytona 500 on February 14th, like me. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So with Valentine's Day, as you guys know, we like to uh, you know be be topical with our podcasts here with the films that we cover. Uh, we've done Halloween, of course. We've done Friday the 13th. We've done Krampus for Christmas, and now we were thinking about what are we going to do for Valentine's Day? Hold on. How dare you leave out New Year's Evil? <laughs> I'm so sorry. New Year's Evil, of course. The worst movie that we've that we've had oh, to review so far. The worst movie I hope we ever reveal. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the, the worst movies that I've seen. No redeeming qualities. But we are moved on. We are now at Valentine's Day. And from a suggestion from one of our listeners, uh, was it Samantha Trent? That's right, Samantha. Hey, shout out, Samantha. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the recommendation. We are going to talk about 2001's Valentine. Yeah, so this was an interesting one for me. This was a movie that I had always been aware of, uh, but I'd never actually seen. Um, and the, the main reason I was aware of it was because of David Boreanaz, because I was a big Buffy the Vampire Slayer and, in particular, Angel fan. Um, yeah. So uh, I was always aware that he had this slasher movie out there, but I'd never actually gotten around to seeing it until now. Yeah, did you ever watch Bones? You know, I'm just not really into the pole uh, police procedural type deal. I know that one had a little gotcha. bit more like personality than like your say, you know, CSI or whatever. Law but and Order. <laughs> yeah, still not really for me. And then I guess he's also got another show on CBS now. I was looking at his resume. He's like, it's already on its like fourth season. It's like this guy's oh, wow. been continuously on TV since 1997 almost. Like it's insane. Yeah. the run he's been on. Yeah, they had a little reference to his character, Angel. Yes, I was wondering too. if you noticed it. I, I definitely picked it up in my notes. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about Valentine today. Um, yeah, same with you, Trent. I had never seen this film, but this was you know right up my alley as far as you know 2000s era slasher films. Just something that I didn't catch um, at the time. But, um, but yeah, we'll talk in great detail about it coming up. Yeah, so let's uh, let's jump right into it, Graham. I have a uh, I have a one sentence synopsis. If you're interested, I'm always interested in your one sentence synopses. Let's go. All right, Valentine tells the tale of a boy who just wants that dance. <laughs> uh, 
you know, he is a misunderstood young man, wrongfully accused. I can <laughs> and- relate to Jeremy Melton, okay? <laughs> he was innocent. He was kind of awkward, you know? So I, I feel you, Jeremy. It's not your fault, man. It's not your fault. Yeah, he puts himself out there. We're going to hear a lot about that. Um, okay. I like the one sentence synopsis. I will approve of that message, Trent. Now, how about we do like an hour synopsis of the whole thing, <laughs> shall we? Yeah, let's go, let's go and do it in detail. Let's go. All right. So our opening credits, we see a uh, middle school yearbook dated 1988. And we meet uh, Jeremy, who is a awkward teenager he's got glasses kind of nerdy kind of geeky and man he is shooting his shot yeah he goes up to all the finest ladies he can find <laughs> they turn him down one two three fourth girl says yeah maybe later and then finally homie just keeps firing those shots man and finally our fifth girl agrees and not only does she agree we smash cut to them doing a little bit more than dancing gram <laughs> yeah, he's he's uh, shooting a shot or shooting his Cupid's arrow, if you might. <laughs> Dude, this is like James Harden. Shooters forget the last shot. They just got to keep firing away. Yeah, and we see his yearbook where he's um, doodled uh, hearts and I love you, I love you. Like pretty obsessive oh, about these like, girls, I right? love you, I hate you, I want to kiss you, I want to hold you. Like he's got, he's got scouting reports on every girl in his class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he's uh, now he's under the bleachers as you do back in middle school. You're you're uh, getting a little kiss action in, and um, yeah, what happens next? So, you know, some guys come up and they're not too happy about it. Nope. So some a group of a group of guys come up. They catch Jeremy making out with uh, Dorothy, the girl, and they can't believe Jeremy earned this girl on his own merits, right? So they say, "Oh, did he attack you?" And Dorothy being embarrassed that she stooped herself to Jeremy's level, Miss Thing, yeah, uh, accuses him of, yeah, he attacked me. And yeah. the, the guys proceed to dump a bucket of blood on him like he's Carrie and it's prom <laughs> night. Then they beat him up. They strip him half naked. The poor kid's running around in his underwear. He's got a bloody nose. And that's important, folks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're humiliating him and beating him senseless in the middle of the school dance after being falsely accused of some kind of assault on a on a classmate. So just a horrible turn of events for poor Jeremy here. And so from there, we cut 13 years later, which my math would tell me that's 2001. Yeah, supposed to be present day at this time. So can you so, believe that's 20 years now? Yeah, I mean... It, 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 <laughs> That's what the math says, right? <laughs> Checking my numbers here. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so we smash cut to 2001. And uh, we see Catherine Heigl, who I guess when we were going over this movie last week, I didn't even realize she was one of the cast members. But lo and behold, this is pre-Grey's Anatomy Catherine Heigl. This is before her star has really taken off and then come hurtling, crashing down after uh, allegations of not being the easiest to work with. Yeah, I have a bloody bit about that later on. Um, And when I was doing some research for this, apparently she was in a show called Roswell that you might have seen back in the day. I'm very familiar with Roswell. That was on the WB back when that was a thing. That was the WB, yeah. Yeah, this is also a Warner Brothers picture. Actually, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Was that on? It might have been UPN, actually. We might need to oh, double check, fact check yeah. it. It might be UPN. 
which also used to be a thing for, uh, for, for people who don't remember. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, through some research, she gets an and credit. She's It's and Catherine Heigl, um, and Ooh. we'll find out why, but it's just kind of interesting. I guess her star was on the rise at the time. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's like, okay, there's Catherine Heigl. Hey, guess what? I was right both times. The show started <laughs> on the WB, then moved to UPN. <laughs> All right, well, that's a double yes, then. That's how good I am, folks. <laughs> I doubt myself, and it turns out I'm right both ways. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Catherine Heigl, a.k.a. Um, Shelly, uh, is on a date here with the douchiest douche that's ever douched by the name of Jason. Now, why is Jason such a douche, you ask? He speaks in third person. Dude, that's insufferable. Yeah, he keeps referring to himself as... In the third person, he's he's just coming off all kinds of douchey, uh, like a just a just a bad date, basically. <laughs> so then the check comes and he's like, whoa, that's a lot. Uh, let's see. You had the tuna, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she's like, all right, can we get the check? He gets the check, like he said. And then he's splitting item. I didn't splitting off items. <laughs> yeah. Going line by line here. <laughs> Yeah, so you got the fish and the crab, and uh, you had a glass of wine, right? Um. And from there, it gets worse, because from there, as they're getting ready to leave, he's like, what, no kiss? Like, the stones on this guy. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, like like we said, it's a bad date. She's completely disinterested in his third person. I don't even know how to describe just how obnoxious this guy is but you know what he is not to be detoured because as she blows him off and leaves he quickly turns around and moves on to the next girl and is like hey jason likes your dress <laughs> you know i'm sensing a bit of pattern here i mean at first first thing we saw jeremy you know shooting those shots and now we see jason getting them shots up yeah i also have some uh, some commentary on on the way that they portray the guys in this movie but that comes later so uh from there we follow Catherine Heigl, who is a, a med student of some kind. It's never really specified, but either way, she is uh, examining a corpse. She hears a loud noise, and she runs into another student. No, no big deal. But on her locker, she discovers a Valentine's card. Ooh. Graham, do you want to hear what that card had to say? It's it very memorable. I do, Absolutely. My love for you grows as you bleed from your neck. Yeah, definitely had some uh, some Jack the Ripper vibes in the the artwork that that was there. Um, definitely not the best message that you want to get um, if you're Shelley. Yeah, in a morgue working on cadavers. Also, Trent, I noticed she's just like in like a kind of revealing tank top. Like if you're a med person and you're gonna cut open a body wouldn't you kind of want like a <laughs> like a lab coat <laughs> yeah you know something to protect you from just bodily fluids and stuff now nah, we got to show the goods yeah that's exactly it so from there shelly returns to the corpse and she gets ready to slice him open when the stomach moves it's breathing it's not uh. actually a corpse so she freaks out she runs backward she slams into the bathroom door where she sees the actual corpse it has been moved she tries to flee uh she turns back around the, the whoever was laying there has vanished she tries one door she's locked in 
She's running around the room trying to find an escape when from out of nowhere, behind a curtain, an arm grabs her by the neck, starts trying to choke her, and she still has the uh, scalpel or whatever she was going to use to cut open the cadaver, and she stabs the uh, the guy in the leg, and she takes off. Uh, she finally finds a door that's open, and she's running through the morgue or whatever, and she makes her way into the room filled with body bags. Yeah, not the... That's just a creepy room in general. <laughs> I mean, why not run for the front door? You know, <laughs> I don't know. But this is a plan, too. <laughs> so uh, from there, she uh, we don't see it, but we can easily determine, hey, she's hiding in one of these body bags. Yeah. And we see the mask man wearing a Cupid mask makes his way into the room. Yeah. Can, do we just refer to this guy as Cupid from now on? Yes. Okay. Henceforth, he is now known as Cupid. Great. So Cupid, <laughs> Cupid's a pretty smart guy. He's like, well, <laughs> you know, she's got to be here somewhere. So he just starts stabbing away. He goes bag by bag, stabbing everything. <laughs> and he finally gets to the last bag and says, well, she's got to be in here. So he unzips the bag. There she lays. She starts to scream. Ring that bell. That's number one as she gets her throat slashed. Boom. Body count number one, Shelly, conveniently already in a body bag. And that is very convenient. <laughs> and also of note, we see Cupid's nose is bleeding. Yep. So from right right off the gate, we're, we're shown that that's probably poor little Jeremy from middle school that is now a grown-up and is seeking revenge, I guess. Do we know exactly what he's doing at this point? I mean, there's revenge, and then there's, like, some next-level stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, next, we meet uh, some more members of our cast. Uh, we see Kate and Paige. Uh, these are two very attractive women. I should mention Paige, in particular, is played by Denise Richards. Yes, Denise Richards. Um, and this quick- is before Charlie Sheen got his hands on her. <laughs> yeah, quick bloody bit here. She didn't have to audition for the role. You don't say. <laughs> they were just like, Denise Richards? Boom, let's go. Yeah, Denise Richards circa 2001 yeah. is about as attractive as a human being can possibly be. Yeah, she's a, she's a smoke show. She, is, she looks great. And um, yeah, Kate, all, all the women in this are very beautiful. Yes, all of, all, yes <laughs> every woman in the cast from Catherine Heigl on, they're all very beautiful. But uh, Paige stands out. <laughs> Yeah, she's she's definitely a standout. She's a little bit promiscuous as well, yes. as we'll come to know. Is she? We'll get to that. <laughs> we hear she is, but her actions don't really support that. Yeah, uh, that's true. Anyway, so Kate and Paige are talking, and Kate reveals she has an alcoholic boyfriend named Adam. Well, actually, she says he's uh, what, what? What does she say? Uh, he's a personality type. Yeah, that, he, uh, yeah. that gets. With, uh, like addictive with a, personality. Or yes, something. addictive personality, and he happens to like alcohol. That is yeah. what, that is what she has uh, <laughs> says. Uh, so she's certainly in denial. Um, <laughs> but they decide to go for a round of speed dating. Very popular in the two thousands, I guess. Yes, yes, very popular. <laughs> this would also be a thing in the forty year year old version. A That's very true. different film. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so anyway, so they're on a speed date and. Uh, they meet a couple of losers, and then uh, Paige hits it off with this guy named Brian, 
who we'll see more of later. And I mean that in more than one way. <laughs> yeah, we, we get like a, a just cuts after a series of, of bad dates from from Kate's point of view. These these guys are total, total losers. So she's not really enjoying this whole speed dating thing that Paige has dragged her to. Yes, because again, she does have a boyfriend, so I don't. She really doesn't belong there. But anyway, they leave the speed dating when uh, Kate's phone rings, and uh, we only hear her end of the conversation. But this is clearly her being informed that Shelly has died. Yep, Shelly has died, and yeah, I don't really have anything to add on that. <laughs> All right. So next, we head to Shelly's funeral where we meet this alcoholic boyfriend, Adam, played by David Boreanaz, who we discussed earlier. We also uh, will we'll meet Detective Vaughn, who is the detective assigned to uh, Shelly's case. And he asks the girls, who uh, it's also worth mentioning, we meet a couple more of um, Shelly's friends here. We meet Dorothy and Lily, making mm. up uh, our entire main cast here for the film. And... They reveal that, you know, that they were best friends in middle school, but they haven't seen seen her in a couple of years because she's been so busy with med school. And uh, the detective asks, well, do you guys know anything about uh, Jason Marquette? We know uh, they went on a date the night she died and he's gone missing. Yeah. So, I mean, there's your first red herring there is that we're, um, you know, maybe he has something to do with her murder, obviously. Um, Yeah. And. As we come to find out, um, I'll wait for that. But Jason Marquette, Jeremy. Yes, remember that name. Yeah, yeah. The JM initials. So from there, we head home with Dorothy, who she's going through the mail. First of all, she has a big-ass mansion. Oh, when I say we go to Dorothy's home, <laughs> we go to, like, the the palace. <laughs> yeah, it is a gigantic, beautiful like Beverly Hills looking mansion. <laughs> yes. I, I kind of skirted past that, but you're right. This is, a, <laughs> this is more than a house. <laughs> yeah. This, this is definitely more than a house. So as she's going through the mail, she discovers all oh, somebody sent her a Valentine's day card. Shall we read it, Graham? Yeah. I actually have, have the notes here, but I'll let you read it. Roses are red. Violets are blue. They'll need ditzel records to identify you. <laughs> yeah. That's a cute little poem there. Um, Another menacing poem. So we know there's a, there's a trend here, Trent. These women are getting these these uh, these haunting Valentine's Day cards. We saw what happened to Shelley. Yep. And also worth noting that there's a bit of a signature at the end of this Valentine. It says J.M. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, from there. Uh, she, she brushes it off pretty quickly. Yeah. She She's just like, like, huh. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. And about that time, we meet Campbell. Yes, handsome Campbell. <laughs> He's basically Madonna. He's got one name. Uh, uh, Campbell is her apparently new boyfriend who just got kicked out of his apartment. And so she offers him a place to stay. Yeah, Campbell, you know, he's he's got a couple of startup ventures going on. His cash is all tied up there. So he invested in GameStop, but he invested it <laughs> too late. He invested it on it on Friday and things have not gone well. Things have not gone well for Campbell. Yeah, but, you know, she's got a big A house, so why not invite him to stay, man? Uh, she also then proceeds to get into an argument with her stepmom, and her dad takes his wife's side, which, hey, smart play. Yeah, you got to side with the wife. Uh, so from there, 
Uh, now we go to Kate's apartment, and this actually is an apartment. It didn't, no, <laughs> no, no tricks here. Um, Kate is in the shower. She hears a noise, so she gets out, see what's going on, and she doesn't see anything. And she gets ready to get back in, and doggone it, the water stops working. Boom! Don't you hate that? Just a big inconvenience. Yeah, her hair is full of shampoo, by the way. Full of shampoo. <laughs> so she actually rinses it out in the toilet. That's how desperate she is. Just about the time she sticks her head in the toilet, the phone rings. She goes and answers it, and there's nobody there. But Uh-oh. her front door is wide open behind her. So she, wrapped in just a towel, she heads out into the closet, or to the uh, to the uh, hallway, I should say. And we hear the elevators digging repeatedly. And she gets to the elevator, and there's that Cupid mask that we saw the killer wearing when he killed Shelly. Yeah, so we know we know that he's close by. He's looming near dear Kate, um, but he doesn't make an appearance. And then we meet Gary. Gary, Scary Gary, yes, <laughs> Gary is Kate's neighbor, and he again got to shoot your shot, man. <laughs> Says Kate, maybe we're fate. Do you want to go on a date? <laughs> Yeah, he speaks in rhymes. He's basically like Dr. Seuss here. <laughs> and um, yeah, super creepy. She calls him Scary Gary. As well, she should. <laughs> uh, so next up, uh, we go to Paige and Lily's apartment. And once again, we hear the doorbell ring. And nobody's there, but there's a Valentine. And I got this one written down too, Graham. Another Valentine. Yeah, what does it say? Tis a well-known fact that beauty is skin deep. Savor the taste. You are what you eat. And it's signed Love JM. Yeah, and it's accompanied by a, a nice heart-shaped box of chocolates. Isn't that sweet? Yes. Yeah, so Paige and Lily get into an argument about who's JM, who which one of us is, is this for? And Paige insists it has to be for you, Lily. So she says, okay, if it's for me. And she goes to take a bite out of the chocolates, and it's filled with maggots. So gross. She gets a mouthful of that. Oh, I don't know how you get maggots in the chocolates and then reseal them. I don't know, but I'm not going to ask questions here. It's just gross. Like obviously. you've never <laughs> stuck maggots in chocolate before, Graham. Never done it, man. Never done it. I have eaten uh, chocolate covered grasshoppers, though. Those are pretty good. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> um, so then the two of them start going over possible JMs that they know. Like, who could have done this? And Paige jokingly says, hey, what about that loser Jeremy Melton from middle school? Remember him? Yeah, and, and they're just like, oh, yeah, he was such a freak. Yeah, he uh, remember the time he was always hitting on us and creepy about us, blah, 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 blah. It's like they still are mocking this poor kid. <laughs> yes. So next up, uh, they all head to a party art show, weird, like, slam poetry like this is yeah like a, it's a weird vibe going on <laughs> it's a lot i think it's like <laughs> some kind on. of a, it's like some kind of new like age art gallery rave like <laughs> I, there's like video walls with like lips and like various Eyeballs body parts and, like yeah. it's just weird performance um, art of some sort i guess yes and so Paige and kate happen to see jason's at the party now they don't know who jason they don't is. know him yeah but we do. So the alarm bells are going off for us. And uh, we meet Max. Now, Max, uh, 
very much in the running with uh, Jason for the biggest douche of the movie. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't even know how to be how to begin describing this guy. Um, yeah, he's very arrogant, um, narcissistic, totally full of himself. Um, another handsome guy. So pretty, basically everybody in the cast is handsome at this point. Um, yeah, it's his exhibit. Um, he's putting on this event and he's very confident of himself. And he is, uh, the reason that they're all there is because Lily is dating him. Um, now also at the party, we get, uh, an unexpected visitor. We, we meet this woman named Ruthie who shows up and tells Dorothy that, Campbell's a con art. Uh, this is uh, Campbell's ex girlfriend, and she tells uh, she being Ruthie tells Dorothy Campbell's a con artist. Like you don't want no part of this, whatever. Yeah, and she's like, he just shuffles her off, and and yeah. Dorothy, as we'll come to find out, needs a lot of validation. Yes, so she does. <laughs> so she's basically going to brush that off and and uh, ignore Ruthie's, um, you know, warnings. So Lily is in the back. She is making out with Max when another chick shows up, starts unburdening her shirt. And <laughs> Lily's like, whoa, what's going on here? Like, why, what are you doing back here? Max is like, well, I invited her. Yeah. And Lily's like, nope, I'm gone. So she takes off when all of a sudden the video boards start glitching. The music starts glitching. And I don't know if you, you heard, but the music started saying, don't walk away from me. Mm. And then we see Cupid and Cupid's got his bow and arrow because of course Cupid's got a bow and arrow. Mm -hmm. He shoots her once. She stumbles. He shoots her twice. She falls <laughs> through a door. He shoots her a third time. She falls off the balcony several floors down into a trash bin Ring that bell. That's number two. Boom. Body count number two. Lily, Cupid's arrow. Now, uh, from there, uh, we see Adam and Kate. They are at a bar. Uh, they're talking about Adam's alcoholism. He says, you know, I've been sober for a few weeks. I just want a chance. And Kate's, you know, Kate's kind of apprehensive. And says, you know, when you drink, you get out of hand. And she also mentions that she's missing some underwear. And she's also telling Adam about her weird neighbor, Gary. Yeah, Adam's trying really hard to prove to Kate that he's a changed man. He orders a club soda. Um, yeah, he's just trying to get back with her. And when she mentions the underwear, he's like, oh, I did that. Yes, jokingly, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but next, uh, Detective Vaughn is having a meeting with the girls and reveals that a card was sent to Shelly's parents that reads, Too bad, so sad, Jeremy Melton. Yeah, so now their uh, their first inkling's Kate. Uh, no, it wasn't Kate. It was Lily and Paige talking about Jerry Mel Jeremy Melton. So now they're, they get a little validation that, hey, maybe Jeremy Melton is the guy that's... Um, after us but it's a weird it's a weird letter to send somebody's grieving parents obviously yeah. and the cops like wait a minute you guys all, all i should also say that they all reveal that they got uh these valentine's cards to each other from jm and the yeah. cops like wait a minute you know we're looking for a guy named jason marquette and you don't tell me that you're getting creepy cards from somebody signed jm <laughs> yeah they're not the brightest group at this point 
Um, yeah, detective. He's just trying to. He's just trying to put the pieces together. Um, yeah, and basically they're just like, okay, well, you know, keep a lookout for uh, Jason Marquette, um, and he lets him go. And and this is when Dorothy goes outside and and they start talking about the dance. Yes, and they're like, he did attack you, right? And Dorothy reveals, I might have lied about that. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. my bad. <laughs> Yeah, and her insecurities start coming out here, um, and they'll come out even more later on. But yeah, she she obviously reveals that um, Jeremy didn't do it, didn't attack her, and that the reason why he was sent, you know, beat up and everything was kind of her fault. Uh, so next up, uh, we see uh, Kate is at like a library or something, and she's like getting ready to do like a Google search for Jeremy Melton when Adam surprises her. Yeah. I think she's at uh, their, the place that they work. It's like a, they're like journalists. So I think it's right. the, the, the floor of the, um, the newspaper or whatever they work for. Yeah. Super primitive internet search going on. Trent. Yes. Yes. This is a uh, very 2001. <laughs> um, so Adam surprises her. Uh, they go on a little date. She gets sidetracked from the search for Jeremy Melton and she, Things go well. They're making out. She invites him upstairs. He says, no, I have to practice self-control. And she gives him an IOU. Yeah. So he's, he's changing Trent. Yes. And, and when I say she gives him an IOU, I mean, she literally gives him a piece of paper that says IOU TLC. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep that in mind. So uh, from there uh, we go to another meeting with detective melt uh detective uh, vaughn and they have gotten a picture of jeremy from when he was in middle school and they have tried to digitally age it to see does this look <laughs> like anybody you know and it really doesn't no it doesn't look like anybody that they can recognize um again technology in 2001 kind of laughable there um he then proceeds to ask them all about their boyfriend situation yes because he is looking for for leads and you know uh, they each go one by one through their situation, and Dorothy proudly proclaims, "Well, I have a boyfriend named Campbell." So <laughs> the cop asks, "Well, what's his last name?" And she doesn't know. Yeah, she doesn't know. She gets all huffy about it, and it's like, "I don't have to answer these BS questions. I'm going home." So we find out that they've in fact known each other for four weeks. <laughs> she doesn't know his last name. And she's letting him stay at her parents' estate for free. Yeah, not not a good uh, not good choices for Dorothy here so far. But you know, again, she really needs validation from a man. Um, Very much so. Yeah, she was. So it showed the girls at the beginning. Um, you know, they're all in middle school and they're very popular looking. Dorothy was sitting by herself, alone, kind of sad. Whenever Jeremy approached her. So, you know, we're kind of getting the sense that um, she's she was kind of the ugly duckling, so to speak. She's trying to make up for that. So the cop eventually dismisses all the girls except for Paige. (laughs) And remember, Paige, that's Denise Richards. (laughs) (laughs) And once again, we see my man shooting a shot. These guys, they just go for it, man. Like, hey, uh, so Paige. What are we going to do about this? She's like, do about what? He's like, I'm just going to say it. 
what are we going to do about the sexual tension? (laughs) (laughs) And she says, well, can you take your hand off my thigh, please? He's like, yeah, where do you want me to put it? (laughs) And she says, you can shove it up your ass. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's, um, first of all, how unprofessional of Detective Vaughn here. It's an an active investigation on somebody who might be potentially trying to murder them. And he's just like, he's been working hard. He needs some enjoyment. He's going (laughs) to unwind. I have more commentary on that later. You're, you're fine with me, detective Vaughn. You do you, man. (laughs) I mean, you know, I, you don't blame him. Denise Richards around. You might have to shoot your shot, but, but pick, pick a better time. 2001 Denise Richards. I mean, have you seen her lately? 2021 Denise Richards is like in the top 1% of the most attractive people on the planet. 20 years ago? Oh my God. She looks great in this film too. Uh, So from there, we we cut to Kate's apartment where Scary Gary is at work. He's Mm. got, he's got some underwear in his hands. He's like sniffing it. You know, it's not hard to figure out what's going on. And, he's like uh, tr- going to put it on, I think. I don't know. He's yeah. doing some weird stuff. So we see Cupid. Uh, I, I should say we're following. We're seeing this all from Cupid's perspective. He has mm-hmm. grabbed a hot clothes iron. First, he hits him with it. And then he plants it on Gary's face. We hear the burning. <laughs> and although we don't see it, we can assume Gary got got. Ring that bell for number three. Yeah. Body count number three. Scary Gary. Meet Mr. Iron. <laughs> all right so from there uh now kate is coming back home to her apartment and we're all kind of like at least i was like oh is she gonna like find gary's body like what's gonna happen yeah and she comes in and everything seems to be fine except that there's like a cord uh wrapped around the cl- clothes iron yeah like, oh, that's weird that wasn't there before but before she can really do anything about that uh page jumps out and it turns out Paige is there. And uh, about that time, Dorothy calls. So she's like, oh, great. Paige is already here. And Dorothy reveals that the cops detained Campbell and questioned him for two hours earlier. Yeah, that's a little bit longer than um, the other boyfriend got. Um, I'm trying to think who that was. Max? But yeah. Yeah, I think Max. I think uh, Lily revealed that Max was also questioned. But yeah, Campbell was Campbell was questioned for a couple of hours. Um, also, Trent, I noticed here, and I know it's not like important to the plot, but they're drinking orange juice. This is the second time a Minute Maid product placement has been put there, <laughs> and I'm like, why are they always like? Why is their go-to drink orange juice? Minute Maid orange I, juice. So I thought I that can't was say I noticed that, but all right. I don't know. <laughs> um, so. Next, Detective Vaughn calls and reveals, hey, we picked up Jason. We get, we found him. So this is great news. Yeah, they can bring the sigh of relief potentially here. So now uh, we check back in with Dorothy, and she gives Campbell a watch for Valentine's Day. And he's like, oh, I didn't know we were exchanging gifts. And then, uh, well, she gives him another gift. And then... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, she has to wash off after giving him that gift. So she gets in the shower. And uh, by the time she gets out, all of a sudden, Campbell, who said, I didn't know we were exchanging gifts. All of a sudden, now he's got a gift to give. And he says it's his turn and proceeds to give her a necklace. 
Yeah. So Campbell gives like after you said, just like you said, after he said he didn't have a gift for, now he's got this beautiful Cupid style pendant. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Another red herring there. Or is it? That is. <laughs> um, so uh, from there, uh, Campbell says he needs to go get a workout in. So he heads off to the pool and we hear he's on the phone and he's trying to get some money wired to him to himself. So we yeah. realize, Oh, Campbell's in this for Campbell. Campbell's not really interested in Dorothy. Yeah. He's got like Dorothy's information and he's, he's calling the bank trying to it's get like, them to mother's maiden name. It's like, <laughs> yeah, he's got all the info. He's trying to get a, get a nice cash wire to his account so he can, uh, bounce on Dorothy here. So he's definitely a scammer. And now remember when we said Dorothy's house was big, this is how big it is. They have like an intercom system built in <laughs> that she pages him on and says, Hey, the hot water's not working. Can you go fix it? So he's like mad, but he goes to do it. Cause he, he can't let that, the, the, you know, he can't let the sugar baby run out. So, <laughs> so he goes to fix the hot water. And as he's working, we see Cupid arrive. Yeah, and there's a conveniently placed axe like down right next to the water heater for some reason. So I mean, why not? <laughs> Speaking of axes, why don't we go ahead and ring that bell? Because Cupid takes that axe and inserts it directly into Campbell's back. Yeah, boom, body count number four. Campbell is axed. So from there, it's party time, y'all. Dorothy is throwing a big party. And we see Brian from Speed Dating shows up for Paige and he you know they they kiss a little bit and he says he's got a surprise upstairs <laughs> what was the surprise Graham he just whips it out bro <laughs> shoot your shot man like all these guys you just gotta shoot your shot yeah he, he just straight up just like drops trowel yep and it's like all right girl time to get busy with it no he, no that's not what he says he tells <laughs> her to wax it that's what he wants yeah. okay yeah so at first, she's like, that was your surprise. But then she reconsiders and she starts, you know, they start making out again. And uh, she eventually gets, his, gets him onto the bed. She ties him all up, uh, hands and, and legs, ties him to the four post, blindfolds him. She's like, you still want me to wax it? And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so she picks up one of the lit candles in the room and pours the hot wax directly onto his junk. <laughs> yeah and then just bounces bounces leaves him tied <laughs> up naked and burning not cool man. so again is Paige really that slut like like they said earlier she was the slutty one but you She's know kind of a tease bro yeah so anyway uh about this time ruthie shows up to the party and sees dorothy wearing the necklace and says uh that's mine campbell stole it for me <laughs> And uh, along with half of the rest of my jewelry. Yes. And she tells Dorothy that Campbell doesn't love you. He loves your trust fund. Yeah, that doesn't sit well with Dorothy. She's like, no, he loves me. And she's like, let's get this chick out of here. And remember, Dorothy does not know his last name. She's desperate for love. It's Valentine's Day, Trent. So at this point, uh, Max is at the party. And the girls, the whole time, uh, all these meetings with the detective, you know, uh, uh, Lily hasn't been there because, well, she's dead. But they just assumed she had gone home to Los Angeles. And Max is like, no, she's not there. I called her work. She's never, she never made it back. 
So now the girls are like, uh oh. But at the same time, we cut back to Ruthie, who left the main party area, but did not leave the premises because now we see her going through uh, Campbell's bags. She finds the watch. She puts it on. Oh, I, I, I forgot to mention earlier, uh, the gift that Dorothy gave Campbell was a watch. Well, yeah, you did mention that. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. So uh, she puts the watch on and uh, she starts to leave and she... <laughs> just has the worst luck in the world because she literally runs into Cupid who is dragging the dead body of the maid. So we don't know what happened to her, but ring the bell for the maid. Yeah. Body count number five. I just put the maid. Uh, we see some like blood, like coming out of her mouth. So uh, something happened anyway. So at first she doesn't realize what's going on. And then she realized, Oh snap, that chick's dead. So she takes off running she is like hiding in the sauna and she crawls over and she finds Campbell's body. Oh, so she like takes off running out of the sauna and Cupid catches up to her, throws her through a glass shower. Mm. The, the, the shower like shatters. She slams up against the wall. We see her bleeding and then we get a great camera shot. There's like a triangle of like jagged uh, glass left at the base of the shower. So Cupid takes her, jams her into the glass and ring that bell because Ruthie got it. Yeah, boom, body count number six, Ruthie. Wrong place, wrong time. We're really starting to add, the body count's starting to add up, man. We're at six. I mean, we're like well past uh, where we were last time with the boy. Um, so anyway, uh, next up, uh, Kate, who has found out about Lily from Max tells Dorothy, uh, Hey, Lily never made it to Los Angeles. And just about that time, detective Vaughn calls and says, Hey, uh, we had to let Jason go. Cause we didn't have enough evidence and well, he <laughs> could be anywhere. And yeah, he's like, he could be anywhere. He could be at your party. <laughs> yeah, not creepy at all. <laughs> and, uh, Kate tells him, uh, Hey, Lily, our friend Lily is actually missing as well. And he's like, oh, Okay, I'm on my way. Yeah. And then uh, Kate wandering through the house and she comes across Adam drinking. So he's been lying. He's been lying this whole time. He's not sober. He was just putting on a front. Yeah, he's slamming champagne. Um, she gets upset and storms off. But before that, he tries to justify it. By being like, hey, it's Valentine's Day. You know, Trent, not what I would call a holiday, holiday that is based around drinking. He's no, just like, <laughs> if it had been St. Patrick's Day, maybe that would have been a viable excuse. But not so He's much like, Valentine's Day. Come on, baby. It's Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So next, uh, we see Paige going hot tubbing. And this is just, I mean, this is just well-written cinema. <laughs> At its best here. Yeah, she's taking a nice dip in the hot tub, drinking some champagne. Um, this scene could have gone on longer, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, it, it should have won an Academy Award. Um, <laughs> but for real, uh, we see Cupid's mask is spying on her through the glass. And then we hear the door open. So does she. And she turns around, but there's nobody there. 
But when she turns back around, all of a sudden, a rose has appeared on the edge of the hot tub. So she's like, oh, who's who's this? Uh, you know, like, what's going on? So she starts looking around because somebody is obviously there. And nobody will come out. But then eventually, Cupid attacks her from behind. And he throws her back into the hot tub. Then slams the lid shut and locks it. So now, uh, she is, like, trying to, to prevent herself from drowning she's like trying to keep her head up in like the like little bit of space between the water and the top of the thing yeah and conveniently it's clear plastic so we can see what's going on yes of course (laughs) so then to help her with her breathing cupid being the friendly guy that he is takes a drill and starts drilling holes like a big when i say drill this thing's like two feet long it's a huge drill drilling holes into the top of the lid which while yes they do in fact create breathing holes also tries to stab her yeah i mean he's just he's just going after her with this like you said gigantic long power drill very very frightening for Paige. so on the fourth or fifth uh drill hole he actually nicks her shoulder so she starts bleeding and as she's like tending to her wound he opens the lid of the hot tub. We see the blood disperse. He throws the drill into it, still, you know, plugged in or whatever. Yeah, it's an electric drill, which it's, is important. Yes, yeah, very important. It's an electric <laughs> drill. He throws the drill into the hot tub. Hot tub go boom, as does Paige. Ring that bell. Boom, body count number seven. Paige, a shocking turn of events for Paige, right? <laughs> very well played. So the, uh, the big electrocution causes the house to lose power so everybody you know the party starts to clear out yeah which renders the party dead at this point yes deader than Paige. <laughs> um so at this point kate and dorothy run into each other and we find out the depth of dorothy's uh, insecurities insecurities hubris you know <laughs> everything where she says you know what do we really know about Adam? Maybe Adam is Jeremy Melton. And uh, Kate responds, well, he's no angel. Rip shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah put him see, <laughs> David Boreanaz, the actor, was in fact four years into playing the role of angel at this point. Yeah, and this is what I alluded to earlier. Dorothy, the full, full-on insecurities, her full-on um, just whole doubtful self comes out. We, we now know that um, she didn't see herself as um, attractive. She called, she was like, you were the popular one. I was the fat one. Um, so right. she's been harboring a lot of this for a long time. And she reveal she says that uh, because what happens is Kate responds to her saying, maybe it's Adam. To, she says, maybe it's Campbell. You barely even know the guy. And yeah. Dorothy's like, you're just jealous that I finally found someone as good as your boyfriend. Which is like, really? You don't even like, despite what we the audience know that he's just a gold digger, like you don't you literally don't know this guy's last name. <laughs> right. She's so desperate for that validation and that love. Um, yeah, you kind of start feeling bad for her here. So the girls, they go their separate ways, and Kate goes to call Detective Vaughn. And as she's outside, she hears his phone start to ring. So she's tracing down the sound of the phone. And there's like a little pond area. And she discovers the phone 
is on the like rocks in front of the pond. And then in the pond itself, we see the detective's head ring that bell. <laughs> oh, body count number eight. Vaughn is gone. So now Kate's aware, like, stuff is going down. Yes, Trent, we do need to mention she also finds in that water feature oh, that yes. IO, IOU note. Yes, from the, the one that Adam. I mentioned earlier. Yes. Yeah. So Kate comes back inside, and we get this just awesome shot of uh, Adam slowly, creepily making his way downstairs, uh, down the bottle staircase, in hand. bottle in hand, through the shadows, and he casually sneaks up on her. And uh, he asked her to dance with him. That that's all he wants is, is to dance. And she's like, now's not the time. And he's like, <laughs> no, we need to dance. So reluctantly, she agrees and they start to slow dance. Yeah, she's very scared of Adam at this point. Um, she's suspecting that he's the killer. And she's just kind of just trying to um, kind of give into his demands and look for a way out. And why might she be afraid he's the killer, you ask? Maybe because he says, you're the only good thing in my life and all these other people can die. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Kate, uh, as they are slow dancing, decides at this point, it's time for an exit strategy. So she needs him in the nuts. Yeah, which is, you know, always something that'll definitely catch you off guard, Trent, but it only lasts for a short time. I mean, that's that's not a that's not a death blow by any means. Yes. Um. <laughs> so once again, because this is a horror movie, instead of running outside and running to a car or whatever, she decides <laughs> to run upstairs. Never run upstairs. Come on, guys. So, Haven't we learned anything? <laughs> she makes her way into the room at the hot tub. She finds Paige's body, and about this point, Adam catches up to her, where she conveniently finds a bottle of champagne laying next to her. So she grabs it. She busted over his head. She takes off running. This time she finds Ruthie's body in the shower. Bodies just popping up everywhere, man. Everywhere. (laughs) So then finally she gets a good break and she discovers the gun closet and she gets a handgun. She loads it, although she dropped the clip at the first time she tried to load it. Yeah. She's like clumsily trying to load the clip. Um, She doesn't even cock it after she's, she's got it. So, so she's got the loaded gun. She's like sneaking around the house. When all of a sudden, Cupid jumps her from behind. They both tumble down the staircase. She loses the gun. And then Adam picks up the gun and shoots Cupid to death. What? Yeah, Cupid all of a sudden just bursts up, um, you know, from the laying position and then immediately gets like six well-aimed shots to the torso. I mean, he empties the clip. <laughs> yeah. So Adam's not the killer. They misled us the whole time. So who is the killer? Well, he unmasked and it's Dorothy. Boom. Didn't see that coming. Oh, by the way, we can ring the bell for Dorothy. Yes. She took a six pack to the chest. Body count number nine. That is Dorothy Cupid? Question mark. So... We see Adam is calling the cops. He tells Kate they'll be here in a few minutes. And Kate says, I just, I can't believe this. She was so happy. And then Adam gives an interesting speech. Mm -hmm. So interesting, in fact. I think we should hear it. 
Play the clip. All I can thank is someone is that lonely or that angry. They can learn to hide it. But inside it never dies. It just stays there. It's away at you. Until one day you have to do something about it. We all liked her. We were her friends. Sometimes that's not enough, I guess. I am so sorry for the way I was before. None of that matters now. I love you, Adam. I love you, Kate. so there you have it adam uh basically tells us the viewers this was all me the whole time we see (laughs) a psychotic look in his eyes but he is cradling kate closely and then we see a drop of blood onto kate's cheek and then Mm. another and then we pan up and Adam's nose is bleeding and credits roll. I wrote the end question mark exclamation point. <laughs> Gotta leave him wanting more. So first things first, who's the killer? Was it Adam? Was it Dorothy? I mean, it's definitely Adam. It's hundred percent Adam. Yeah, Just want to make sure we were on the same page. Yeah, that um, nosebleed is the tell there. Um, so somehow he has obviously grown up, been able to be a successful writer um, and infiltrate and get the trust of Kate, plan this entire thing. And yeah, okay. So first of all, here are my, some of my thoughts here. So I didn't find that there was a good resolution to the film. Obviously, I, I I'm not a... I'm not opposed to movies ending with a, a cliffhanger, ending with a surprise, or ending with like, uh oh. Um, but like, we get that Adam is a real killer here, but hell, man, like the movie just freaking ends. Like, I felt I felt like the third act was lacking there. Interesting, because I actually liked the ending. I liked that we spend like 89 minutes. The movie is pushing us towards Adam being the killer, then they flip it on us, and the, oh wow, it was Dorothy only to snap it right back. Gotcha. I liked it personally. Okay. The qu- so I liked it, but the question, what do the critics think, Graham? What do you think the tomato meter had to say about Valentine? Well, it doesn't have a great rating on IMDb. I did see that the meta score was quite low. Um, this is where I get to guess the rotten tomato score. And I'm, and you guys know, I'm not good at guessing this. So I'm going to go with like a, like a 15. Yeah, this is your best guess yet, because Valentine got a 12. <laughs> right, so it wasn't very, very revered by critics or audiences. Now, unfortunately, our favorite critic, uh, Roger Ebert, did not review this film, so no Ebert quotes, but I think it's safe to assume he would not have enjoyed it very much. Yeah, probably not. Um, like I said, you know, it's a... So my thoughts on it, I'll just go through these here. So there's, in my opinion, there's not a lot of tension in this film, you know, that makes some of the other slasher movies that we've reviewed great. Um, The kills kind of happen pretty quickly. Some of them are pretty creative and stuff. 
Um, but there's like not a whole lot of buildup. I really enjoy the aspect of like cat and mouse yeah. when, with my slasher films. This one kind of didn't didn't have that. Um, movies that that are successful in this genre, like Halloween and Scream, have a ton of that cat and mouse game that we kind of lacked um, here. I did like the idea of the menacing Valentine Valentine's Day cards. I thought that was clever, but we kind of abandoned that at the end. I thought yeah. they could have like uh, like it would have been better if they would have received the card like and then get killed immediately. Like, like we know that there's like a pattern there, um, but it is what it is. But with all that being said, um, I actually enjoyed the movie pretty well. Yeah. I had a fun time myself. Yeah. Uh, like I said, you know, I guess you had problems with the ending. I didn't, I thought it was cool that they like, like uh, did like the little okie doke. Like, yeah, uh, you know, it's like uh Boise state running the statue of Liberty play at the <laughs> end there. I you think so it's you. going one way, but it's actually going the other. And you know, you should have followed your first instinct. So I thought that was I thought that was cool. Um, the acting was good, and we'll talk about the cast here in a sec. Yeah, so, but, um, so let's go ahead and talk about the cast. Let's, okay. I mean, uh, Cupid seems like the best place to start. Uh, we're both in agreement that that it was Adam, and for me personally, you know, that was the attraction to the film in the first place was David Boreanaz. So, what did you think about Boreanaz? Like, uh, I, th- I think we were talking about this before the mics went hot, but so he originated the role of Angel. In Buffy the Vampire uh, Slayer's first season back in 1997, he's basically been on a TV show every year since all the way through the present day. He did uh, four seasons of Buffy, five seasons of Angels. He did like 16 seasons of Bones. Yeah, I was like, that was on for a long time. And now he's on the fourth season of this Navy SEAL show that he's on on CBS, apparently. So, um this is one of the very few films that he's ever been in. Yeah. I mean, I thought his role, I thought he, he played the role. Well, um, he doesn't get a lot of camera time. Um, I did read that he filmed all of his scenes in two weeks. Um, and, but yeah, I thought he did a good job. I mean, he definitely kind of plays again with very little screen time. Uh, you can definitely see that he's definitely struggling with, uh, some demons, um, inside. And I thought he did a good job. He's likable. Um, you know, until he's not. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed him. I thought he was creepy enough. I thought you believed the psychosis. He's big and menacing too. Yes, like he's yes. a big dude. So, um, so from there, let's talk about our uh, our dead teenagers, shall we? Um, I mean, we talked. You know, Denise Richards, obviously the biggest name out of the group. Uh, um, you know, maybe more famous for her looks than her acting. But mm-hmm. how did you think her, uh, her acting went in this role? Um, yeah, I thought she did a good job. She played like the, the bubbly, flirty, sexy, kind of seductive kind of chick. And I thought she did a good job. Yeah. I mean, look, she's there to be eye candy. That's what her job is. And she Mm -hmm. does it very well. A little bit of star power. I'm sure. Um, I didn't see the trailer on this, but I'm sure she was featured, um, uh, prominently. So then the rest of the girls, uh, Marley Shelton as Kate Davies. She's super cute. Um, definitely does a fine job of playing that um, kind of innocent girl that we've come to uh, kind of like in these slasher films. Um, I didn't, I mean, she didn't like jump out off the screen for me, but she, she, she was serviceable. Now, do you know what Marley Shelton's most famous role would happen to be Graham? I did see that. I know that she was in scream four and she'll be in the upcoming scream film. Well, for, Guys our age in particular, 
there's a certain movie about baseball that really means a lot to our generation known as the sandlot and oh was she wendy peppercorn she sure was Oh my goodness, I totally missed that looking back through her. Uh, yeah, that's right. Marley Shelton was Wendy Peppercorn. That is amazing. Yeah, that's okay. right. Yeah. Like it. So I like her more now. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So next up, we have Jessica Capshaw. Uh, she played the role of Dorothy. She would go on later in her career. She had a, she had a run on uh, Grey's Anatomy. Um, I, I think she was on that show for a while, actually. Um, yeah, yeah 224. Yeah, it's a lot of episodes. Um, but she also has some famous family, shall we say, because she has a certain stepfather that some of our listeners may have heard of. Do you know who that is, Graham? I do. That's one of my bloody bits here. She is the stepdaughter of Steven Spielberg. My jaw dropped when <laughs> I read that during my research. Steven Spielberg's stepdaughter. What? Yeah. I wrote in here, I wonder if he has any pool in Hollywood that, it, that could help her with her career. My goodness. <laughs> That's a great stepdad to have. He is just. That is a great stepdad to have. I mean, he's on the Mount Rushmore of directors all time. Oh, he might course, be the number yeah. one. Yeah. I mean, wow, you talk about a legend. My goodness. It's hard to do better than Spielberg. Yeah. Um. Uh. From there. We have uh, Jessica Caulfield, who played Lily. Now, she was one of the first ones to get killed, so she didn't have the biggest part. Um, she's probably best well-known for being in the two Legally Blonde movies, and I see she's also going to be in the third one, which is uh, being made, apparently. Yeah, and looking through her IMDb and stuff, I guess she's a pretty accomplished singer, So, um, so there's that, yeah. Yeah, in terms of a uh, acting career, she's probably got the lightest resume of our main cast uh, because rounding out our main cast, we talked about Grey's Anatomy earlier. Well, how about another Grey's Anatomy star, Katherine Heigl? Yeah, Katherine Heigl as Shelley Fisher. Um, she didn't have a lot of screen time. She played the role uh, well, though. That was our first kill. Um, my note in there was... Um, you know, maybe a little bit of a scream influence there to get kind of a bigger name at the beginning. Well, to, uh, yeah, even though she, I mean, she wasn't she wasn't the big name at that point, though. Like this was this was before uh, Grey's Anatomy. I mean, when did Grey's Anatomy start? Uh, Grey's Anatomy started in 2005. So this was four years before Katherine Heigl was established. I mean, yeah, she was on Roswell. But Roswell wasn't exactly a uh, a smash hit by any means. She does still get the and credit, so yeah, that's, that's what kind of led that's me to true, that's true. Maybe maybe she had a little bit more star power than we realized. So I have a bloody bit here, Trent. Yes, please. So since we're talking about Katherine Heigl, so in typical Katherine Heigl fashion, she has disowned this film. Of course she did. <laughs> claiming that she hates it. Um, she said she didn't read the whole script before accepting a role and only well, read that's the your scenes. own fault. <laughs> yeah, she only read the scenes containing her character. And um, in an interview, she said she regretted the decision to appear in this film after seeing the final cut of the film. So, Trent, let us note there that there have been a number of reports throughout the years that she is very difficult to work with and has been known to bash films that she has appeared in after the fact. Most namely, Knocked Up, which is an excellent movie that she badmouthed after its release because she felt that it negatively portrayed women. 
I've got like zero tolerance for 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 that kind of stuff. It's like, do <laughs> you sign up to do the job? You take the money. Like, this is what you're signing up for. This is your job. Like, yes. But when you're an actress, especially when you're one of Katherine Heigl's stature, um, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Yeah. What benefit do you get from kind of bashing a film after the fact? I mean, obviously this movie wasn't well received, but like, who cares? You did a bad movie and you were only in it for five minutes. Like, what's the big deal? And by, by the way, you know, we talked about this movie got like 12% on Rotten Tomatoes. Katherine Heigl didn't like it. This film, you know, it wasn't like a huge blockbuster, but it was highly profitable. A $10 million budget. It grossed $36 million at the box office. This this thing made a, a huge you know, amount of profit. So yeah, let's more than like this, the this, budget. Yeah, let's not act like this movie was a disaster or anything. Yeah, and so as you can imagine, another bloody bit that I have, Trent, is you know, this film was obviously released in February. It was actually released on February 2nd, 2001. In a lead up to, you guessed it, Valentine's Day. So did you know, Trent, that this film had a pretty big promo? It had a Super Bowl spot. What? Yes. They bought a Super Bowl ad for this movie? Yes. So the wow. the, little tr- the trivia here is this is the cheapest film to ever have a Super Bowl spot at $10 million yeah, no budget. Kidding. <laughs> so they went all wow. in with that. I mean, I know, you know, it's 20 years later or whatever. I know this year Super Bowl ads cost $5.5 million for 30 seconds. 30 seconds, right. So, I mean, I, I don't know what the Super Bowl price was in 2001. I can try to look that up real quick, but. I can't imagine it. It had to be in the seven figures. Yeah, got it. Had to be in the seven figures. And Trent, you know, uh, we're not going to get into Trent's a big sports guy. I am too. But uh, who played in the Super Bowl twenty years ago? Two thousand one. That would have to be the same man that's playing in the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> TB twelve. Tom Brady. That would be his first Super Bowl against the then St. Louis Louis Rams. Right, the greatest show on turf. I know this isn't a sports podcast, but Trent's a big, big Trent, or sorry, Trent's a big Tom Brady fan. He usually has a Tom Brady poster over his shoulder, um, so just thought that was fun. And by the way, I looked it up. The price. This is this is insane. So remember, this movie had a ten million dollar budget. A thirty second Super Bowl in two thousand one cost. million dollars yikes so they spent nearly a fourth of the movie's budget on a super bowl ad (laughs) yeah and we're assuming that it was a 30 second spot if it was a whole minute it was a 60 (laughs) double that yeah so like i said that's a the the cheapest film to ever have a super bowl spot to date wow that was a great bloody bit boom well do you have any other bloody bits graham uh, the only other bloody bit that I have, it's not really that great, is, uh, so we'll talk about the director, Jamie Blanks. He said in an interview, forgive me for Valentine, a lot of people gave me a lot of grief for that, but we did our best. <laughs> so I guess he agrees with Catherine Eigel. He's not that proud of it either. Um, I thought I thought the direction was, was fine. I mean, I thought, I mean, we talked about there were some cool shots, the, you know, Adam coming down the staircase, the shower murder. Uh, Denise Richards in a hot tub. I thought there was a lot of excellent filmmaking in this in this movie. Yeah, I think uh, if if it lacked anything, it was creativity in the writing, which which they had four different screenwriters to to get this movie out, which is interesting. Um, yeah, that kind of shows you that that's like a telltale sign that there was some you know 
mismanagement behind the scenes that uh, yeah. there may be a little too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, and it's also worth noting that this book was an adaptation of a, of a novel. Oh, this movie, I should say, was an adaptation of a novel uh, by a writer named Tom Savage, uh, who really, this is not a very famous writer. Um, I looked at his other works, um, not, not really anything anybody would have ever heard of uh, outside of this movie. Yeah, um, like I said, and, and you nailed it. I thought it was well acted and well shot. We mentioned before, um, you know, it didn't seem cheaply made at all. Um, the sets were done nice, um, you know, good lighting, everything. It just kind of lacked from, in my opinion, the writing. And while you liked the ending, I thought the ending was lacking. But, you know, that's, you know, it's all about, um, it's subjective. So... Any other thoughts on Valentine before we look ahead, Graham? No, I just wanted—I just want to thank Samantha for the suggestion. Um, you know, we love to hear back from all of our listeners uh, on any movies that you want us to cover. Um, you guys can follow us on at Body Count Show on Instagram. Tell us uh, what else you want to, what you want to watch, and what you want us to review, and we'll be happy to do that. So, thank you, Samantha, for for suggesting this to us. Now, speaking of what to watch. Now, Graham, normally I like to give you three options for an X film, right? Right. I, uh, I might have overprepared this time. <laughs> I have five options for you. Ooh, okay. So, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about David Boreanaz. So I thought, well, wouldn't it be interesting if we looked at the Buffy universe, you know? But how about we take it all the way back to the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer? This was a 1992 film. For a lot of people, you might not realize the TV show did not come first. Sarah Michelle Geller was not the original Buffy. It was, in fact, Christy Swanson. Mm -hmm. So that is your first option, the 1992 theatrical version of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I've seen it um, more than once. My wife is a fan of the original film. It's got Luke Perry in it. Um, so, yeah. it's. Uh, I should also note, this is a much lighter film than we normally do. This is very comedic in tone. Um, we might have trouble keeping up with the body count if we count, kick out each individual <laughs> vampire that bites the dust. <laughs> right. Um, but, so that is option number one. Option number two... Let's stay in the Buffy verse, but let's do something that features David Boreanaz. Okay. So how about for a change of pace, instead of doing a film, what if we were to look at the pilot episode of Angel, which is called City of, which sees Angel moving to Los Angeles? All right. I, I like this idea. I have never seen Angel. I did watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer growing up. Um, you know, Sarah Michelle Geller, Allison Hannigan. So yeah, I'd be, uh, I'm open to that. So that is option number two. And then option number three, let's take a trip through time and see some films that have come out in February's past. So the first of those, how about John Carpenter's The Fog, which was released in February of 1980. Nice. Always like doing John Carpenter films. Well, how about this one? It's not a John Carpenter, but it's a little movie you may have heard of that came out 
30 years ago on Valentine's Day, coincidentally, The Silence of the Lambs. Ooh, that's my front runner. I absolutely love that film. And then one final option. I know I'm throwing a lot at you, but the five-year anniversary of an interesting movie that came out a while back. And uh, I should note that the episode would actually drop on the five-year anniversary on February 19th, The Witch, starring Anya Taylor-Joy. I'm a big fan of hers. I really enjoyed The Queen's Gambit. Um, Have not seen The Witch, Trent. I know it was... um, who is this directed by? Somebody is somebody that we've reviewed so far? Uh, no, Robert Eggers. Okay. So, once again, just to recap, because there's a lot of choices that I've just laid out here. We have Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the original 1992 film. We have the pilot episode of Angel, a TV show, instead of uh, instead of a movie for a change of pace. And then we have The Fog, which was released in February of 1980. We have Silence of the Lambs, which was released in February of 1991. And we have The Witch, which was released in February of 2016. Well, Trent, these are a lot of good choices here. They're they're vastly different. Vastly different. Um, this is like a buffet. This is <laughs> You choose what you want to eat. We're at the Golden Corral right now. You want meatloaf. <laughs> you want pizza. You got fried chicken. We got it all. <laughs> That's exactly what I do at the Golden Corral. I'll have a... A slice of pizza with some mashed potatoes and gravy, <laughs> uh, mac and cheese, all that mixed <laughs> together. Um, dude, once you mentioned Silas and the Lambs, that's just that. I, is I my, had a feeling that would be the case. I mean, that's just one of my favorite films of all time. But now. you know, I always, I always get to choose. What, what were you leaning towards? So, so we can maybe well, team up on this from a selfish viewer perspective. Because again, you know, as the host of the show, we have to watch these. So I believe the silence of the lambs is about two and a half hours yep. and the angel pilot is about 45 minutes. So <laughs> there is that to consider as well. So I would, I would eliminate it down to those two. I would say either city of the first episode of angel or the silence of the lambs. Let's go with city of, cause I know we're going to do silence of the lambs again. All right. So there you go. Body count, mixing things up. Uh, our next episode will be the first time we've ever reviewed a television show. When we watch the pilot episode, season one, episode one of Angel. It is called City Of. Yeah, I can't wait. That's going to be fun, man. All right. So with that in mind, uh, like Graham mentioned earlier, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Body Count Show. Let us know if there's anything you want want us to review. We'll be glad to do it, just like we did this week with Valentine. And uh, Graham, any parting thoughts? No, just thanks for listening. And we appreciate you guys um, commenting and sharing and liking our posts on Instagram, like Trent said, at Body Count Show. And we can't wait to see you next time on Body Count.